Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? back and we are talking all things suspension and expulsion (laughs) i just want to run through some things around this like why isn't it very helpful what is more helpful and why are we still using this to be blunt very outdated practice that has probably if i went and pulled some research a whole lot of research behind it that is showing that it's not effective. Like someone send me some research that shows this is effective because before I even get into it, here's what's under all of that. When a child is acting out, it's communicating that they have an unmet need. In this circumstance and situation, it's probably like an unmet attachment need, relationship need. They are trying to build relationship attachment bonds and they're doing so in a very negative way because that gets them the attention in the fastest way possible. It's not a sub- It is a subconscious process. It is not a conscious choice. So as a result, these kids act out. They get suspended. The whole time they are seeking relationship. They are seeking connection. They are seeking belonging on on a more like deeper level. And we say, you're going to be removed from the school, from the group, from the class, from the building. It is deepening a already very present psychological scar. Because I don't think there are really too many cases ever, (laughs) rarely, but sometimes, when that is not the case for a child getting removed from a school. So research shows us that suspending students is not only an ineffective tool for improving behavior, that makes it worse, does make it worse, but it also results in a lot more negative outcomes. Like there are, there is like the aftermath of a consequential choice like that. And most suspensions are the result of behaviors that students already struggle with, like emotional regulation, and they do not have the tools to regulate. So the suspensions are not creating a solution. They're only making them worse because if they're in school, they're definitely not going to learn the skills to regulate unless the school helps them attend a regulation support program when they're not in school, which in that case, that's maybe a little bit different, but you still have to deal with the part of like removal, which hits back to that like belonging attachment bond that's getting disrupted when a child's removed from school. But The fact that we are suspending and expelling students for behaviors that they haven't had the tools, learned the tools, don't have the tools, haven't developed the tools yet to to utilize makes me think of like, it would be like punishing a child for throwing up. Like, it's it's not their fault. Um, At some point, yeah, we have to like hold them accountable and and make people aware and there has to be improvement in, in some of these things. But wow, I mean... 
do we have grace? Do we have compassion? Or do we just default to old systems that don't work because we don't know what else to do? All right, moving on. <laughs> now that I dropped that light little bomb. Uh, how many students receive out-of-school suspension each year? Three million. And that's how many we've documented receive out-of-school suspension each year. And that's by a study done by Break Bill. Many students are being suspended for subjective eye of the beholder offenses, as well as repeated behaviors that are not being addressed, aka what we just talked about a moment ago, but simply um, we're applying a Band-Aid, more or less, uh, by removing them from class for a day or a couple of days or whatever it may be. We are not digging and finding the root of the problem. And I would say that number is you know, based on school age. Where this is absolutely wild is early childhood. I have seen kids removed from five, six plus programs in their three to years, three to five. So two years, new teacher, new school, new teacher, new school, new teacher, new school, new teacher, new school. By the time they get to kindergarten, they are very distrustful of the educational system and teachers. You know, teachers aren't the ones that maybe made those choices. They got removed, they got removed, they got removed, they got removed. They don't trust anymore. Why would they? So the other thing to think about is like, okay, we're talking, you know, out of school suspensions here. What about in school suspensions? Just as ineffective as out of school prevent, um, prevention. We want to prevent suspensions. They do little to reduce future behaviors and they do not, and they, they do negatively impact the academic performance. Because if you can't be in class, how are you going to learn? So you're missing a ton of instruction. And we know they're not learning at home. Even if we put them on a virtual program, they're very unlikely to be taking the effort and finding the motivation to do that work. Why? Because they want a sense of belonging and they can't get that from a virtual world. And it's really disrupting their view and their perception of a positive school climate when they're being removed, which is what we want to try and build in the first place. So Time and time again, research shows that attendance is essential for the success of a student. Yet, when students are being suspended, they are being denied education, which has a negative impact on their negative, which has a negative impact on their academic performance, attendance, and potential future behavior. Thoughts, questions, concerns? I have tons. So we need to move the focus from punishment and removal to meeting the students and discussing the choices they made and getting them to make and take, to take responsibility and make better choices, to take responsibility for what happened and then make connections with students and adults involved. Okay. Let me say that again. We need to move away from punishment and removal and move towards discussing what happened, not right after the moment because elevate emotions are still elevated, but having conversation, a problem solving conversation Hopefully in that conversation, we get them to like breathe, relax and take responsibility. Yes, I did that. And yes, that wasn't a great choice. That's okay. We accept you as you are. We want to be, we want, we're here to help you. So let's connect and then redirect and then solve the problem. So what are better alternatives than out of school, in school suspension or booting kids from a childcare program? Something called restorative circles is a great option. If we're talking early childhood, this probably involves their parents. And we didn't even go into what happens when kids are removed from school and how that impacts parents and how parents then distrust the school system. That's a whole nother layer. <laughs> okay, restorative circles. 
reflective practices, like the problem solving that I discussed a moment ago. Meeting with students and parents openly, warmly, not to punish and consequence them out of the room. Peer-led mediation. If you don't know what these, these things are, Google is your friend and Google will give you an overview in just a few seconds of reading. You'll know exactly what restorative circles are, exactly what peer-led mediation is. Sometimes positive behavior intervention support. We call it PBIS in the education world. Sometimes that can work. There's There are some parts of that I don't love, but used correctly, it can help. Integrate and teach them science and biology of emotional regulation. Bring the problems they are facing into play or make problems more playful. Definitely change your viewpoint of behavior and why behavior is occurring. Always expressing an unmet need. Never argue, never raise your voice, never be condescending, never be patronizing. Talk to them like they're human beings, even young children. Stop forcing what you think is right. Ask the child what they think is right. Ask the child how they think they can make amends. Give them a chance to speak. And put some school core values in place and work on reprimanding with core values. And the more you teach those core values and the positivity behind them and like teach them in a positive sense and use them for redirection, the more students will lean into them. We also need to teach kids pro-social skills, providing them with lots of opportunities to practice and get coaching, feedback, positive reinforcement. I do just want to go into a tiny little bit of information about restorative circles because I'm guessing that most have not heard of them before. So a restorative circle is a technique that it really builds and, and restores relationships. How does it do so? It do it do it does so through equal opportunity sharing and listening. Equal opportunity sharing and listening. These we call them maybe talking circles. They build the skills individuals, students need when conflict arises because it gives every individual the opportunity to speak and be heard. So it's basically like a meeting. It's like a meeting. We call it a talking circle because it's better than a meeting. And we set some parameters of like everyone gets to speak and we all get to hear and here's what speaking looks like and here's what hearing looks like and no one take too much of the, the speaking pie and talk too much and roll the conversation. And then we'll come back together and we'll come up with some ideas and solutions and we will be kind and we will be respectful and we will be compassionate and full of grace and we will uh, be solu solutions oriented. So these are really great. I mean, they're great for everyone, but really great for kids, youth, especially like preteens and teens to learn to negotiate conflict effectively and practice respectful listening and healthy self-expression because emotions do come up. How do you learn to regulate those emotions in these circles? What else could we do? We could potentially have them work with us to create like a social contract, restitution, so restore the problem. We could potentially like support them through like a mini course or skills modules or teaching them the skills that they don't have around emotional regulation. Community service, because at least it benefits community versus like kicking them out of school and just sending them home. Maybe like behavior intervention plans, but I'm not a big fan of like, um, definitely not a big fan of ABC charts. Functional behavioral assessments, for those of you that are in the special ed world, meh, they're all right. They're pretty generic and they don't often have a lot of great solutions. Sometimes 
a really good psychologist or special ed teacher will write a good plan, but I just feel like they're not used well. And then when the plans are written, most people don't even look at them. So they don't even know what they're using from them. Anyhow, school culture is a huge one. That is it. Like I built a whole business around not just school culture, but business culture. Does your culture make people want to leave their jobs? Does your culture want to make students misbehave? Because it has a huge impact. And then champions. Champions are mentors. So positive mentors. What else, in addition to like school-based programs, can we utilize? Is like, what are some of the external things? Mental health supports, emotional skills management courses or workshops, counseling, therapy, coaching, early intervention supports, behavior health supports, bullying and intervention programs. Like those are things that you could bring into the school or they're in the community or they're external supports, but just additional supports that we could use instead of just, again, kicking kids out of school. Students, let me, let me go back up. Hear this and hear this closely because this is how I'm wrapping up. Students need to feel a sense of belonging and feel like a part of a community and learn the skills they need to regulate their emotions. Providing them with a positive school climate and the strategies to regulate and the skills they need to behave appropriately will diminish the need for suspensions. It'll also improve their entire rest of their life and like positive trajectory towards building relationships because a person only needs, whoa, I got so excited about that. I almost choked. A person only needs, a child only needs, a student only needs one adult, one adult to be their champion, to set them on the pathway in the trajectory of an upward action, upward movement, an upward, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> upward motion. It can change their whole neural makeup. It can it can heal them from just that positive connection. Someone cares. Your champion, your your mentor, the person who who helps you through these things. That person is powerful enough to override your history of adversity. No matter what kind of backgrounds these kids come from, if they have a champion who truly cares and is there to guide them and teach them some of these things, and they have a little bit of these supports along the side doesn't matter how nasty their history of adversity is. They can overcome it. There's a lot of research behind this. Well, I'm going to say, I digress. All right, moving on to today's listener question. Consistent and appropriate response from all providers working with children. So yeah, I could see how this could totally be a problem. Like everyone's doing something different. No one's on the same page. Everyone's doing different things. So one, I would like... What would a staff training look like? Like, is everyone getting trained at the same time, the same thing? If people are coming in after the training, how are we like reissuing the training? So that's a big one. What What's this like training, coaching support? And I just like train, like we're so, ugh. school's like, oh, we do professional development this day. I'm like, have some training this day. Coaching. Schools need coaching. You need coaching. You need ongoing accountability and support. If you don't have a coaching program, buy a coaching program. It doesn't matter how much it costs. It will tenfold return on its investment as long as you hire a good coach training and coaching monthly touch points there should be monthly monthly touch points where people are having these conversations where even if they're not like even if they're not live in person they're they're virtual like they could be synchronous or asynchronous just be in communication about what's going on and what you're using and what this looks like and there are so many tools out there for us to do that I coach through a platform called Telegram. It's free. 
It's a free texting platform that allows me to send videos and screencasts and audio messages. It's free. <laughs> so if you can keep everyone on the same page by doing training or coaching, and you can keep the communication going through some type of like asynchronous communication, like a telegram, that problem's going to go away. To wrap up the show, I'm going to share with you our try it at home tip, which is walk and take tough calls. When you know you're going to have to take an uncomfortable call or call you have resistance to, or just any phone call, walk because that stepping, that like bilateral movement of back and forth and back and forth, super regulating versus just sitting in a chair and sitting in your anxiety or fear or whatever it may be. When you move, it helps to regulate your system. So if you take a phone call or even make a phone call while you're walking, it's likely to go much better. And that's it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember our tried at home tip, which is walk and talk, baby. If you are looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, or the brain, like I mentioned earlier, coaching support for schools, for nonprofits, for anybody that works with youth. I would love to be a part of that journey. I love, love coaching around stress, trauma, and behavior. And that's why I created the behavior app. And it offers primarily coaching, some online courses, some training programs, but it does offer university credit for a lot of these things. So if you want to learn more, go to the Behavior Hub website, shoot me an email through anything on there, or you can text me at 717-693-7744. And don't forget to lock in what you learned today by sharing it with someone else, sharing this episode, doing something to get this information out to other people. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thank you for joining me. Thank you.